The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And we've got great news for the guys with the beards. Randall is selling all of his beard oils at 40% off the entire month of September, and as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo, paraben and sulfate-free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great. And as always, you can find Blue roaming around the shop. So give them a call at 405-269-8590, or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today. Welcome to the Post Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. We're recording from Triple Play Sports Radio Studios in downtown Stillwater. And we're joined by a special guest, longtime Oklahoma State media member, Tom Dorado. Tom? Well, yes, long time. That means you've been around a while. It means you're old. It's a nice way of saying that. Uh, but yeah, I've seen Se- a bunch. Well seasoned. I've seen a number of things in the 40 years that I've been associated with. OSU athletics, uh, some good, some bad, and some still to come. Brian, how's the how's the trip up? It was a nice, nice, easy trip. Quick. Um, you know, I, th- I think this is this is very timely because this upcoming weekend we're going to be kind of celebrating that 2002 yeah. uh, group. And I know that you had uh, Tom, you had a a lot of uh, time to be with that group, mm-hmm. uh, calling those games, and uh, uh, just. What what are you looking for? Let's go with what are you looking forward to this weekend? Are you going to get to get out there and see the guys, or yeah, what's on your schedule? There's a couple of uh, socials, if you will, uh, that are that are being held that I will attend. Uh, one of the things that we do in the pregame show uh, on Triple Play, uh, and Zach is now part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we go out there and at the union sit outside the I guess it'd be the north door, uh, and we get a lot of former players and their kids and they come by and, 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 and shoot the breeze with me. And it's, it just reminds me how old I am because these guys are bringing their kids in. Uh, and, but these socials are a good opportunity to, uh, reminisce, uh, tell old stories, yeah. some, some true, some not, <laughs> some uh, embellished, some of it's most embe- embellished. Uh, but, but I stay in touch with a good number of these people anyway, kind of off the court, if you will, and uh, on football and basketball. So I kind of know what's going on yeah. in their lives. But this is an opportunity to bring back people that um, you know, here to Florida maybe don't get back to Stillwater in years. Right. And this is an opportunity for them to kind of see what's going and on. And that's what we t- we talked to Tatum Bell um, early in – in uh, the summer, I like think it May, I May think. yeah, early in the summer, and, and he had just no, it was right after the spring game. Uh, That's right. It, it was, was back right, in April. It was uh, the day before the draft. Okay, right, the day before the draft, and uh, he talked about being able to come back here uh, and and how much the town had changed and how much you know, and I'm sure you hear that from the guys all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, how much had stayed the same? How much had changed? I mean, it's changed from January. I can't imagine. You know, the last time you showed up, say the last game you played in '04. And all of a sudden, you're coming back. You know what is that? Eighteen years later, and all of a sudden, it's wow. Well, the it's thing that gets different. their attention right off the bat is is Boone Pickens and two new Walmart's. and and the facilities that they have. 
And yeah. if we're talking just football, right. absolutely, that's a shocker to guys that, and we we tend to forget now. I mean, these guys have other lives, right? Uh, it doesn't always surround the NFL or mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. They could be off in San Diego working as an accountant somewhere, and getting back to Stillwater is not high on their list. All right, because they got other things to do. We tend to think that everybody centers their whole life around OSU athletics, and that's not true. But if they don't come back once every 20 years, they have a chance to come back. When they look around, and and I played in Lewis Field, uh, and we did this kind of with Terry Miller the other day. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Now, Terry's here, and he's seen the evolution of football here over the years. But let's say Terry lived in Maine. Or back to Colorado. And well, Colorado, he'd have an accent. Say he was a long way from here, right? And he hadn't been back since he played. Uh, what do you think he would have thought? Lewis Field, Boone Pickens Stadium, forty to fifty million dollar renovations going on all the time for football, locker rooms, weight rooms. Not that that gets you championships, but it'd be a shock value when you came back. And a lot of a lot of guys do this. And they get treated well here because they get to tour and they look around and, you know, like old old guys, we always say, well, you know, if you were trying to make get by like we were, you know, you don't yeah. know what you got, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's a fun time and I'll see some people I haven't seen in a while. Well, and you can see, you can go online now and basically take almost a virtual tour of what the facilities look like now. What did the facilities look like for these guys in 2002? Where was their locker room? I know they used to run out of the wet, the, the underneath Gallagher. Um, they used to come out on that side rather than, you know, because the West end zone wasn't there. No. Uh, and, and the evolution of the locker room, just using that as an example. Um, and I have a hard time with it because I understand that you, once you build your new house, you know, within a year, you have to do something else to stay up with the guys next door, right? But the locker rooms that we used to have, and I'm going back to when Gundy was a player, um, and, and we had some pretty good people when Gundy was a player, some good football players. But our locker room was so cramped that in this day and age, these kids, they might rebel. I mean, I, I, I don't have my own this, my own that. You just basically had a hook to put your clothes on, and you sat in a little cubicle. Where's my USB plug-in? How come I don't have a TV on my locker? You know, that's what kind of blows my mind a little bit. Um, I guess I haven't jumped on board with that. I understand it's it's part of doing business, right? And recruiting is a business. But at the same time, I mean, we had some good players come through here that didn't have one-third of that and still – but you didn't. You don't know what you don't know, right? If if you never had that, or maybe you visited one or two, three schools that had that. Nebraska, Oklahoma, you know, pick another one out. Texas. Back in the day, maybe they had some of the bells and whistles that we didn't have. But for the most part, not everybody had it. And the expectation level now, kids, in my mind, is just off the charts. You know, well, I don't have a, I don't have all the bells and whistles in my locker. Maybe I'll go someplace else where they have it. That's hard for me to grasp, okay? But but that's an old guy talking. Well, and I want to I want to take you back to that conversation we had yesterday. You know, they are they're honoring the 2002 team. Mm-hmm. They're also honoring Terry Miller. Uh, he's going into the College Football Hall of Fame this year. He was in Triple Play yesterday for a show with you, uh, and then you and I we talked on uh, our my afternoon show here in Stillwater, 
Um, we talked about, you know, how you still view Oklahoma State as, you know, tailback you. I mean, you go back through the years, mm-hmm. Terry Miller, you know, Bob Finnamore, the Blonde Bomber, Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, uh, Tatum Bell, Vernon Marinci, Chuba Hubbard. I, I, there's a dozen others. Uh, um, Justice Hill. Justice Hill. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I mean, there's I mean, there's just so, so many. And I, there's in the 2000s and the 80s. And I mean, they're all over the place. But when you look at Terry Miller, you know, runner-up Heisman Trophy, uh, came up behind Earl Campbell, and we talked about it. You know, it, the people on the the people in the the center part of America. You know, they they saw Terry Miller. They knew what he was all about. But the Texas name, the Texas brand. Talk about Terry Miller. I mean, how good of a back like nowadays? Like you can, you know, I born in '91. I, I see the stats. Right there are some highlights, but you can you can read how good Terry Miller was. But chances are, if you were born born after a certain time, you're probably not going to know too much about it. So. Walk us through, you know, how good was Terry Miller? Well, we, we got into this in the interview. Uh, I, I had the privilege of going up. I wasn't working at Oklahoma State at the time. I was working in Oklahoma City for a paper. Uh, and I had the, the privilege to go into his second Heisman presentation. He came in second to Earl Campbell. And I remember some of the people, the local media in New York, and those who came into New York to cover, they they knew the name Terry Miller, but they didn't know a whole lot about him because of the very thing you were talking about. West Coast guys, East Coast guys. OSU, as as hard as it is for fans to to kind of believe what I'm saying here, OSU was not a household item and certainly wasn't on TV every second of the night like it is now. If you got on twice a year, that was a lot. And you were getting on, quite frankly, because of who you were playing. Mm-hmm. You were playing Oklahoma, playing Nebraska. Uh, they, they, the game was important for TV because of those schools, not you. So a guy like Terry Miller kind of gets lost in the, in the shuffle. Earl Campbell, the other direction. Everybody knew him, who he was because he was at Texas. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew his stats. It's a whole different world now i mean and, and i'm not saying you don't have to be good to win the heisman i don't i don't say you don't have to be good to win a Bolitnikov, but if you've got enough exposure good plus exposure gets you these awards where, where you become a household name terry wasn't a household name coast to coast terry was a household name here uh, certainly in the in, in the big eight the pe- people in the big eight knew who he was every time they played him so they were not surprised, but you know it, it was a, it was an experience. I know Terry's so competitive. Um, I mean, when you, if you come in second once and fourth once, Terry wasn't about finishing second and fourth in anything, and that's what made him so good. But yet, uh, as a handful of people, you could say finished in the top four, two years running for the Heisman. Well, you didn't get it, but you were right there. So I, yeah. I think those numbers would. The fact that he was there would would speak to how good he was, and uh, we we've had and, and Zach and I and I, I misunderstood baby when we were talking, you know I I don't care if we got four hundred great receivers, in my mind it'll always be tailback you. It's not going to be receiver you. Well, I'm I'm perfectly fine with those two positions battling out for which one uh, Oklahoma State wants to be named because that's better for the university. That's better yeah, for the football program. And I'm not program. sure the university is, you know, I, I I don't think that they're in the business of of declaring one way or the other. Sure. Now, 
tailback U was something we pushed all the time when I worked there mm-hmm. because we had a hell of a lot of great tailbacks, and it was a different style of play at the time. Uh, sure. You know, we might have thrown it 10 to 15 times a game. Now they throw 10 or 15 times a quarter, right. and your tailback may carry it a couple of times here or there. So the style of play dictates what you promote, but I've never seen them. Maybe I'm, I'm behind the times, but I haven't seen Oklahoma State in written form promoting Oklahoma State as receiver you. It, it's more so just social. social well, yeah. more so social media ploy. Um, when when Washington was going for his Bolitnikovs, mm. uh, Tylen Wallace had already won it. Blackman had won it a few times. James had was going to win it, and then after he won it, and you're pushing Tylen. You know, it was more of a social media campaign from the university. It wasn't like we're gonna post. You know, we're gonna make posters. We're gonna mm-hmm. put it out on. You know, it was it was more so social media, and then it, it mainly is fan driven. But in, if you think of if you were a college student anywhere from 2008 to Almost now, yeah. we've had bigger wide receivers than we've had running backs. Well, kind of that, Chuba. that Chuba, well, other Chuba, than Chuba no, and Justice. But, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like Justice had one good year, but mm-hmm. and and Chuba had a monster year. But other than that, I mean, you're you've got backs. That Kendall are, Hunter had a great well career but, too. But you're you're fighting for backs that are are struggling. Maybe not struggling, but it's a stretch for them to to clips a thousand yards. Well, but those all those receivers. Were Des was nationally known. Yeah, you got one. Blackman a year. was winning two Bolitnikovs. Yeah. James was nationally known and won a Bolitnikov. Tylen was nationally known was up for a Bolitnikov. Well, and so then you look very at seventeen. You, public. You had it was the only school in Big Twelve history. I don't know if it would have to go back to Big Eight too, but you had the two thousand yard receivers, thousand yard rusher, and a was a four thousand yard passer in Mason. So I mean, and then you had Dylan Stoner onto that team. Chris and Lacey. Yet everybody hated that offensive coordinator. Yeah, it, isn't that, that funny? Blows my mind. I don't, well, that's a rabbit hole we don't need to go down. <laughs> that that goes with the territory of being a coordinator. Absolutely. Right? And uh, you know that when you take a job on this level, that uh, your your popularity is only as good as the last series that you supposedly called. Well, Casey, Casey it, Dunn's a great example. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and then you're a bum. We're, you know, we're, there are things that work in football that have nothing to do with the call. Sometimes you luck into a big play. But – if you're going to get criticized for things that really are not your fault when the kid screws up and goes the wrong way or somebody just makes a better play, then you need to get the credit when things go right. Sure. Even though you had nothing to do with it. Well, you, you yeah. go through the years. I mean, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Casey Dunn wasn't one of the most popular assistant coaches in Oklahoma State history. Like, if you sure. if you cover it religiously or you follow religiously, you could go back and say, okay, well, who was the receiver coach in 1974? Probably didn't have one, but let's say late 80s or early 90s or whatever. You could probably name position coaches. But Casey Dunn, everyone's going to know who Casey was, you know. And then it's like, oh my God, we're going to lose him to we're going to lose him to UNLV. Well, this is something you guys may or may not have gotten into over the years. But I could tell you, this is a this is still a relative, relatively new phenomenon. Because for the most part, when I was at Oklahoma State, if you went out on 7th Street here and asked 10 people who the offensive line coach is, who is the defensive, even coordinators, can you tell me? No, because it was just about the head coach. In this day and age now, coordinators are almost as well-known as the head coach. And in some places, not necessarily here, but in some places they have a hell of a voice. Sure. Every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can tell you, for the most part of my tenure, 
people, and we didn't promote those guys. It was the head coach who was the only face and voice. Now, when let's say 2002, when, when you were doing color on the broadcast, were mm-hmm. you meeting with the coordinators b- before well, the game? I worked in the game. I worked in the department, so I, I, I was in their office every day. Sure. But from a, from a media perspective, would you have met with them to talk? You know, like now Dave and John and, and Robert, Robert every, go every Thursday. Every Thursday they go meet with well, Casey and Derek. No, because I was in a different situation. I mean, I was around them all the time. So my, quote, meeting, unquote, took place every day that I was in there shooting a breeze with them. Gotcha. Uh, so I had that that in, so to speak. And that was kind of the, the agreement I had – that's a word, or, or the relationship I had with Bob Sr. and Bill, is that they didn't work it. They, they, they were in Oklahoma City doing their own stuff, uh, and, and they were on TV doing their own stuff. So they relied on the knowledge that I had on an everyday basis, informal, formal, private, public, to bring to the booth every game in football and basketball. So I, I was not in that situation where I had to reserve time with – coordinators because i was with the coordinators every day before practice after practice shooting the breeze socially so i had a feel for what they were doing on a 24-hour basis how do you whenever you would go to practice how, how do you like to watch practice do you like to watch specific groups specific offense defense do you like to watch team what what was it you liked to hone in on i i watch practice i have to admit now from the perspective of, of the positions i coached and so that would be defense and linebackers. And I always watch them first. Um, but when you're out there watching practice like I did, I can't just tell somebody the other day, I mean, if I had a dollar for every football and basketball practice I went to, uh, I probably would have more money in retirement than I, than I have now. Uh, you know, practice, to me – practice, you can't get too crazy about practice. We're talking about practice. Talking about practice? Practice is, is – is orchestrated to some extent uh, for success. Uh, if there's a, a group that you want to have a feel-good on Wednesday that they didn't have a feel-good on Tuesday, then you would you could orchestrate and script a practice that they'll have success um, individually as well. Now, you want perfection, which you never get, every day. You want every play to work. You want everybody to be in the right place. These are kids. They're human beings. They're not machines. So I don't know coaches that walk out of every practice going, hell, this is the best practice I've ever seen. Because he wants the next one to be good. So practice to me, I didn't look at it like some people might. Right. Uh, and I'm not picking on Zach, but if Zach was allowed to, he, he, he can go to some basketball practices. Well, he might look at basketball practice and get a general feel. This guy can run up and down. He can shoot it. But if he got a chance to watch it every day like I do, then you, you scrutinize, well, yeah, I know he could shoot, but he doesn't do as well defensively as he needs to do. Or he can't move right and left. And, and I see where, where we try to fill in that hole. So my looking at practice probably is a hell of a lot different than if you two guys went. Well, that's, what, that's why I ask. Yeah, yeah because it's maybe – I'm probably privy. I could probably go to one every – Three or four weeks, maybe. You know, I mean, but then once you get into the season, I mean, it's you're getting what you get on the well, court. I mean, for what you do, you're 
you're looking at who's out there, who's healthy, yeah, who's going to play this week, who's not going to play, who's over there icing a shoulder, who's on and the I, stairmaster. I do want to get into that. I, I we don't know too much yet because we're not officially in the practice. But once we once we get out of football talk, I do want to do a, a quick little preview on basketball. You know who the new guys are, what the returners look like, have they progressed, and all that stuff. Because on paper, I think this team could be good. I, I'm not going to say this team's going to be great, but in theory, this team should be better than last year. Uh, whatever, if you want to, you know, if you want to use excuses, you can. Um, ice, you know, is, you know me. No, I'm not saying you, but <laughs> I, ice, ice is a big loss. But you know, Avery should be better. Bryce Thompson should yeah. be better. Tyreek got better. Musa should be better. So I do want to well, dive into that because hold is, on, while we're there. Tom's favorite thing, I'm sure, are Instagram highlights. And uh, Musa is ah. based on Instagram that Musa is going to lead our team in three-point shooting mm. this upcoming season. I'm surprised he hasn't left already. Well, to be sure, you'll probably see him hoist a three or two. But in my mind, his value to this team is with his back to the basket. No question. And, and you need to go get, get rebounds and putbacks and block oh, yeah. shots before you worry about three-point shots. Yeah. Now – I'm not saying he won't take some because I think his face to the basket game has gotten better since he's been here, but it's more in the mid range. I mean, he's got a pretty good touch from 10, 12 feet. I think he thinks he can hit every three, but these Instagram things, I don't think the pressure is there on him, number one. And you got a guy who dominates the paint, then your butt needs to be in the paint and not worried about three point shot. We got enough guys. Believe me, there's enough guys on this roster right now. You won't have to ask twice to shoot a three. If 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 Keaton Page rolled it out there right now, somebody take me on in a three point shooting contest. Who do you think would have the best chance? I know there'd be guys lined up to shoot. Who do you think would have the are best we, chance? Are we talking practice three point shots right now? Or practice. are we talking game? Because there's guys that can hit every single three they take in practice, and we'll go one of fifteen from the field in a game. Well, let's not name names. I want. I want so are to we know going who, for, are we anybody going who could who could beat Page in a three point shooting contest? They're probably not here. Not on this roster. Okay. Uh, now, if we're talking about just being out there by yourself, maybe they they could run with him. But if you're being contested, no, no, there's nobody on this team because everybody seems to have. A, Bryce Thompson's a hell of a player, but he's one of the best mid range shooters we've mm-hmm. ever had here. Well, why? You may end up taking a three. I'm not saying anybody won't take a three. They stay in college basketball. Everybody shoots a three. Hell, Boynton might shoot a three from the bench. Uh, but the fact is, and, and and Boynton doesn't care about how many threes go up. He said that many times. Yeah, you he know, wants him as much he cares about the ones that don't go in. But he's never stood up and said, "Well, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a, 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 a kind of an embargo on on three point shots." Uh, I've been around other coaches. Eddie Sutton was the same way. I mean, if you if you couldn't make, and we're talking threes, but any shot, if you couldn't make 50 to 60% of those shots in practice, then you weren't shooting them in a the game. Why do you think the game has changed from, let's go about Doug Gottlieb was leading the offense as the point guard. Why do you think the game has changed away from point guards really leading the offense to this and I'm going to kind of use a, a, a fluff example here, but you're running the three-man weave across the, the top of the three-point, and then finally it gets into somebody. Why do you think it's changed from that to what we have now? Well, just, but then you go back to the NBA, and you got guys that averaging over 10 assists. But so. My opinion, well, the NBA gives out assists like candy. I mean, if 
if you're just within the same three blocks of the neighborhood and a guy gets a bucket, you get an assist. I wouldn't use the NBA style and or stats as a as something that's truly indicative of basketball. I, I, I don't even watch NBA because it just disgusts me mm-hmm. that they don't defend anybody. It's just like a, 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 a noon Y game. And so right. to, to bring it into college, though, there is an emphasis on scoring, but when good teams defend you, all that, all the things that you want to do, they're going to keep you from throwing it down low. They're going to put the heat on the ball, the guy who's got the ball. So all of a sudden, you got guys in your face forcing you to make a play under pressure. And a lot of times, those little free entry passes are not there. So you go right or left, and you weave and move and move and move. But it's a, it's a whole different game now. The teams that defend you make you do things that you don't want to do. The teams that have no defensive posture, you can throw it anywhere, anytime, anyhow, and it's going to look good. That's why defense, the teams that win and win national championships are the teams that get after your butt defensively and not let you do what you want to do when you want to do it or take – then you end up with a wild shot because the shot clock's done. You, you've been so indecisive and you can't handle pressure – you're throwing it up for grabs, and all of a sudden you look up at the clock, and there's two seconds to go. i got to hoist it. Well, right. that's not an offense. You, you run an offense with picks and screens, and, and, and a lot of times the guys who do something away from the ball are more important than the guys who shoot it and take the shot because you're occupying your guy, and you're keeping him away from the ball handler. And now it's a one-on-one where i got to beat you to the rim. Those, those offenses are few and far between now, and that bothers me because that's not basketball. That's noon Y basketball. And if they go in and you're playing against the team's not very good, you look good. But when teams are good and defend you, you don't look very good, and, well, and that's the problem. Well, and since we're here, let's just go ahead and, and just do a quick little preview of the basketball team. I mean, you get Avery coming back. Moose is coming back. He's coming off a co-Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Bryce Thompson coming back should be better than he was last year. And, and the good thing is when you watch these guys throughout the year, Florida game aside, usually they got better as they, as the year went on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Tyreek Smith can do because it seemed like it started to click in that last third of the season. Uh, so you, just preliminary returners right now, how does this team look? Well, you went through them. I mean, obviously Moose has got to be good. He's got to be good not as a three-point shooter, Okay. He's got to be good as a blocker, shot blocker, rebounder on both ends of the floor, intimidator in the middle, handle the basketball, throw it inside, throw it back outside, find an open man, make him honor you under the rim. He's got to be good. He's got to be better there, uh, which, which I think he will be. I mean, to me, he looks like he hadn't lost any steps. Uh, Thompson, I could talk about him. He's going to be an integral part of what we do. So, Avery, these guys have been down the road. They've been through it. I'll be interested in Tyreek Smith because now he'll be – he kind of caught people by surprise. He didn't play a lot of that in, in I don't know how many games, 10, 12. He played with with Musa. And he, he provided that off-type off, off type rebound. But he'll also be on somebody's scouting report now. So I'll see how he handles it. Uh, the new guys, I don't know that we have a, a – a, Ball handler supreme yet, mm-hmm. and you know Wright might be. Uh, we'll find out on a daily basis. You know whether he can be. Uh, he certainly has done it before. 
you know, they're down some. The question here, too, is I don't know what they're going to do. Harrison, they keep appealing, but I don't think Harrison's appeal is going to go through. So they didn't. That's one scholarship they, they, they didn't fill. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the scholarship situation. They could be three down this year and just take them all, or they take a couple and take another one the next year. Uh, but the new guys, I want to, you know me, I, I don't care what they right. did anywhere else. I want to see what they do here. Because when you get here, all of a sudden now you're you're going to be scouted and defended, and people are going to play you much differently than they did on a lower level. And the old cliche, you know, we got a couple of guys that they were their leading scorer. Everybody has a leading scorer. I don't care how bad you are. There's always a leading scorer on the team. But can you take that and take those tools to this level? And that's something we may not know for a while. I'm not exactly overjoyed with the non-conference schedule. It's becoming out. You know, I like if, you, if you're good, go play for somebody good. Uh, and they may have a couple. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, I know that, yeah, and they've announced going to play UConn. Uh, I know that they're going to be going up there to Connecticut. Yeah, the um, Big East Challenge. And, and, and it, it may be like taking on a Big East Scorpion. Well, and it's not like taking on UConn no. 10 years ago. No. Sure. But still, at least. At least it's a it's a big it's a quote big name bigger name true my my thought is though that's, Oakland will be tougher than UConn that's the the UConn game and Oakland doesn't have near the name that UConn who's the who's the USC or USC uh, SEC game this year have they announced the SEC challenge yet I think they have I can't remember who it Golly. is um, but those the the Big East and the SEC challenge games I don't specifically put in the non conference. Because those aren't games that Oklahoma State chooses to play. No, no. So they're just part of the conference. I I agree, Brian, in the sense that it does make the overall schedule look better. Like if you go out and you beat UConn by twenty five points, and I off the top of my head I can't remember the the SEC team, but you go out there and you beat them by 10, 15, 20 points. Is that, it Ole Miss again? Do we go two Ole Miss? Think, I don't think. I don't, I don't think, think so. I've got it. I have it. I wrote it down. I I've got it in an article. I'm sure. You know, but we, if, we lived off of Sam, uh, South Carolina for a couple of years. But if you if you go out there and you beat those teams, then it's like okay, yeah, all right, um, that that looks good. But if you're going out and you're scheduling, you know, middle of the road directional schools every year, then it's just kind of like which is yeah, going to be pretty much the case. It's according all, to the Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss. plays comes here. Alabama goes to OU. Okay, yeah. okay. So Ole Miss again. But if you if you beat Ole Miss by twenty and you beat UConn by twenty, then it's like okay, those well, you, are those you beat are Ole Miss a couple of years ago in the tournament when. Williams played for them. Yeah. And the uh, up in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Ole Miss is not. I mean, again, you, you're not being matched with the cream of the crop. No, but it's but it's better than going out and beating uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Well, I think it's also it's also better than going into conference season at eight and nine. Yeah. Well and Well, you're not gonna do that. I mean, when you can control your your schedule, that's exactly you're sure what, as hell that, not gonna schedule the, at eight and nine. That's the point. I don't think Boynton is going I think he knows he doesn't have the team to go schedule uh Duke to go schedule yeah. those teams. Well, unless you get Matt, I'll just say this. I think this program needs to get better. I'm not saying it's not good right now, but it needs to get back to where it's perennial winning one to two games in the NCAA tournament. Now, obviously, that can't be the standard. You obviously need to be better than just winning a game or two. But how about just getting there? Until, maybe number one. Well, that's what I'm saying. But in, until the program is there, unless they get scheduled in a preseason tournament, Oklahoma State will never or a TV matchup. Do. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Kansas. Right. 
Now, Kansas does it perennially. They get matched with a elite team every two or three times Kentucky, in, in non-conference. Yeah. But it's a TV matchup. It's made for TV. Plus, Kansas is pretty good, so they can handle themselves. Uh, most coaches don't want to do that. They don't want to risk that kind of exposure, and you don't win. But Kansas has got enough equity, if you will, that, that if they lose to Kentucky in, in, in the second game of the year, so be it. Well, and they're know. going to have firepower. It's going to be a competitive game every year. Um, one guy we didn't get to uh, before we move on is the freshman. How is How does Quinnen Williams look? Well, I think he's going to play a lot, uh, and he may be the most impressive of the quote-unquote newcomers. He he looks ready-made to play as a freshman. He doesn't look like a freshman. You know, now, he still plays a little bit like that, trying to figure out what's going on. But physically, this guy, you're going to like what you see. And I, I, I think it'll be just a matter of short time before he gets a lot of minutes. He may get a lot of minutes right off the bat, I mean, depending on what he does when we start working out here. Well, that could be beneficial with the non-conference. But he'll, he, he's, he's a player now. I can see why he, they were excited about him. Uh, but he's, he's trying to learn again where to be and what, what to do. Uh, just yep. as a freshman would. But physically, he looks like he's been here for a couple of years. The three players that, to me, um, the kind of our, our end-of-the-year win-loss record kind of hinges on are the consistency of Cissé, Caleb Boone, and well, Tyreek Smith. And that's the question. I, like, for me, it's never been about physical with Caleb. Although, I mean, he needs to get stronger, and, and when he does face a guy that's a bigger there, stronger than him, he does kind of collapse. But for me, it's always been mental with Caleb and I and obviously the you know you hear people talk that Keelan leaving could be beneficial for Caleb because he relied they relied on each other too much um with Caleb it's all about mental you know how is he the past couple of months it's all workouts it's voluntary practice whatever but how does he you think he can be back to you know he's not going to score more than he's not going to average more than probably 10 and 8 a game but you know he's he's a force in the paint with blocks and and redirecting shots and stuff like that so can Caleb be back to kind of where he was before last year I don't know I mean uh, that's up to him I think that's the answer everyone has he's he's uh, and, and I don't I'm not I saying don't he's going to be the bad. personal thing about Keelan and, and and not being around now anymore that you know that that's between those two that's an excuse if that if you want to use an excuse, I'm not an excuse guy. You either play or you don't. You either perform or you don't. You either produce it or you don't. I think everyone every day against Cisse will toughen him. It already has toughened Caleb up. Because, let me tell you, in the drills, he'll kick your butt. Cisse will if you don't bow up and play. And we're going to find that out every day. So far, what I've seen, Caleb's kind of taking the challenge. Those two guys go at it pretty good uh, in practice. Now, can he do that in a game? And what will his playing time be? You know, how, how much time is he going to get on the court with Cissé and Smith? Yeah, because you go back will to last year. Will they move him out to a four? Musa was huge. Yeah. And if he's coming off the court, I mean, two years ago, if you were having to pull him off the court, which he wasn't here, but it's okay. It's okay. We've, you know, Caleb is, mm-hmm. is good. He's going to, he's leading the big 12 in block last year. When Musa came off the floor, it was like, ah, oh, great. We're going to get four minutes of absolute garbage time. And it's up to Caleb. Coming I mean, back. Caleb, there's no excuses for him. He's been here a long time. He knows what is expected of him. He knows what they need to have out of him. You know, I'm, I said three, three times, well, if I ever come back on your podcast, don't bring up excuses. I'm not an excuse guy. Never was what I coached. Never was what I played. You either get it done or you don't. 
And there's reasons you get it done. There's reasons you don't get it. Well, done. it was pretty. It was pretty hot on the defensive side of the ball against Central Michigan. You know, in the second half. So I think, I think that defense in the second half just got a little winded. I think it was a little too humid out there. Yeah. <laughs> the defense in the second half. You want to go back to football, and which I was a little surprised, quite frankly. You can bring up this West Coast crap, and yeah, they came out with a different thing that maybe we expected. But if you're still getting beat in the third and fourth quarter on the same stuff that you got beat in the first quarter, now that's it. That that brings up other questions like, all right, what about coaching moving this guy around and making some changes along the way? Uh, that was a question I had in the game against Central Michigan. I mean, you could use the first two quarters. Well, we didn't know they were going to do this. You knew at halftime, and you knew what they were doing in the third and fourth quarter. Yep. You shouldn't be making the same damn mistakes in the third and fourth quarter that you're making in the first two. Right. Well, and that's something that we were so good at, and, you know, everybody's going to do the Knowles versus versus Mason comparisons. Um, Knowles was – that staff – I'm not just going to put it on one person. That staff was so good at halftime adjustments. And you saw it again in the uh, Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Jim Knowles' defense pitched another second-half shutout. Yeah, but I, I think – But it's I, easy it's, to adjust with veteran players. And that's something that it's gets It's not overlooked. easy to adjust with no, guys who are just getting their feet wet. Well, that – and you right. go back to Knowles' first year, the whole – you know, when we were three-quarters into the year, all the fans were like, why did we go out and get this guy from Duke? What are we doing here? But then the next and, – and I'm not saying that it's going to take Mason an entire year to get adjusted, and, and I'm not going to say that this defense is going to play like they did in the second half all season long because I, I think they'll be a little bit better this week than they were last week, and that's – it's going to be if that way. Not, then, then there's a bigger problem Absol- than you got. Absolutely. But if you go back to that first year at Knowles, it was – there were times where you're like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? You go look at TCU in 2020. That was a bad game for the defense, you know, and then the offense couldn't score. Well, the defense was good, but the offense couldn't score. But there were moments where you're like, oh, great, what are we doing, you know? Look, there was major confusion at the linebacker spot. Sure. Four quarters. There was major confusion in the secondary. And they picked on the corners. I mean, these guys who, who play have coaches who can see the same thing. And they, they made a great game plan up because they said, I don't see Harper. I don't see Rodriguez, so let's run some stuff to test these two guys who haven't played here before in at the linebacker spot, and they ran some stuff to confuse the linebackers. They they virtually neutralized our strength up front with quick passes. Ball was in and out of his hands, out here, out there, take it to the flank, throw it over their heads. That's a pretty good blueprint. Now, not everybody's capable of doing that. Well, and now we've seen our coaches also get a chance to look at film, look at what we did wrong, what we could do better. And I think that I, I don't think that Arizona State's going to come in here and beat us with West Coast. Off. I don't. That's think, not what they do anyway. Well, right. Central Michigan's a better team. That's than not Arizona what they State. do anyway. Offensively, that they, they're not a quick, quick passing. Right. Now, will they in, integrate some of that this week? Hell, yes, sure. they will. Sure. They'll try it. Oh, yeah. But but Jones is not a pick them apart kind of guy. He doesn't throw it as well. He runs it. Now, if he gets outside of you, he can make something happen. But I'm sure they looked and saw, you know, we're going to see how much teaching went on and whether these linebackers are any better against us than they were against Central Michigan. We're going to give them a, quote, opportunity to show it. So our our offensive line kind of got that same, uh, just as you said about Caleb Boone is getting to go against Cisse, one of the bigger guys he'll face all year. Our offensive line got to – compete against in practice 
for nine months now this defensive line that is supposed to be one of the best three top three in the nation top five in the nation whatever well that offensive line is is a basically a new unit who gets to go against the best i was pretty impressed on, in the first well. game how they did i know that gundy came out and said well our run blocking run blocking wasn't gundy that great will always be critical absolutely. of the offensive line absolutely that's, well, that's what mike does well until you have a guy like chuba back you know or until until dominic richardson figures it out or if and when you get DeAndre Jackson back and you can have a back that's averaging more than 3.1 yards a carry or whatever it was, I mean, run blocking could always be better. But him, him giving the offensive line like a C, C-plus, I'm okay with that because it wasn't bad. You had the you had the, the procedure penalty at the start of the game with Etienne, which mm-hmm. kid hadn't played in three years. Okay, whatever, you're antsy to go. And he didn't have an – Picked it right up. He was he was fine after that. You had the the false start on uh, on Springfield. What midway through the game, yep. you know. He, that, but other uh, and th- and we talked about that. That was him trying to get that the it was encroachment yeah. or he was trying to get the offsides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't but like other, he was other than that. I mean, pass blocking was good. Run blocking wasn't bad, but it it could always be better. But I if I if I'm looking at groups that I had questions about, if that's the starting point for this offensive line. I'm okay with that because Look, they're going to get better. Uh, I don't get excited about it as a lot of people. If you got 10 guys, which they claim they've got, 9 to 10 guys, who are kind of interchangeable, then it, if you're any kind of coach, you find five guys who can block and protect. I mean, it's 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 not rocket science, okay? you got you got to have five guys who can stand in somebody's way and either open a crack or protect and pass. I mean, it's not that difficult. If you can't find five guys to do that out of the ten that you have, then you got a problem. Either the players are not good enough or the coaching's not good enough. Either way. So I don't get as excited about the offensive line as some people. And, again, running stats are not always reflective of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. If you've got running backs who can't find a hole, can't get through the hole, are reluctant to get to the hole, and don't run the same play, and all of a sudden somebody's there, they can't make a miss, guess what? they don't get yards that doesn't mean the offensive line's not doing their job that means they're not working in concert with the running back right well and there was a uh, i could tell a few times the center was having uh, wilson was having issues getting the ball back to um well, those are things spencer i mean it was high have. you're right they, they were high there was a couple times spencer jumped for, uh didn't necessarily jump for it reached up for it but, that throws timing off and all that athlete. i mean he can oh, make yeah. that happen you're not gonna have a perfect snap every well and that'll, every time. And that'll get better i mean his sure. th- his first official year snap and, and that that's an excuse but you you get out of that first game and and he'll i mean he dialed it in throughout the game so i mean that's yeah so i mean that's that's not really uh something that i'm necessarily concerned with right now now we we get into we get into week three, you know we get into that Baylor game and and he's still he's still not sailing them but he's still putting them high. Things are. I'm gonna say this. Yes, you can say whatever Tom, you want. Tom said he wasn't gonna get excited about the offensive line. He seemed very excited. Those decibels about it. get up, didn't they? They did a little bit. They did a little bit. <laughs> He'll be back. We're downtown. Uh, it's 90 minute parking, uh, so he's gonna he's gonna go move his car so he doesn't get a ticket. But um, and I got here. Oh, I'm good. I'm still, I'm still within. I'm just cleared an hour. Yeah. So, which means, okay. So, for those of you that want a lesson, and if the mayor's listening, um, please just fix this. Um, so, for those of you that want a lesson downtown, it's ninety minute parking. Okay. It's not ninety minutes when you get there. It's not ninety minutes from when you park. It's ninety minutes from when you get a mark. 
So if you get there after the traffic cop has already gone by, well, there's 90 minutes until he comes back. And then you get another 90 minutes from when he marked. But you better not forget where your car's... Or you will get a $20 ticket. But that's... it. If you figure out the mark schedule, it's not 90 minutes from when you get parked to where you have to move. It's 90 minutes from when you get marked. Now, does that still count if you're sitting at Louis? Yeah. If you're downtown... If you are downtown in 90-minute parking, it doesn't... Like, I, we work downtown. And if you show... Like, so I figured it out. If you if you show up at... Like, you park around 215, 230... You're good till five. You don't have to move. But if you show up at noon and you don't move before five, you're getting a ticket. Doesn't matter if you work downtown it's or gonna not. It's going to be a $20 to you. Twenty, And it used to be 10 and then after a week it bumped up to 20 They just said, you know what? We'll just make it 20 So we gave uh, Tom's back. We uh, we gave people a, a parking lesson. It's not, tw- it's not 90 minutes from when you park. It's 90 minutes from when they mark. And everybody. That's a good line. Right? And like everybody that? learns that lesson. I'm sure the $20 oh, way. Uh, I learned I, it once. That's it. All the years haven't uh, haven't contributed i learned it once because when my wife found out that i had to pay a 20 dollar mm. parking ticket you work a block from a free parking there lot. you go there you go yeah so uh i've only and it, we found out about it because i forgot i got the ticket and a week and a half goes by and they send you a letter that if you a don't reminder pay, that well and now on that reminder says that if you don't pay they're going to put a warrant out mm. and you're just like Okay, I'll pay it. Because hey, that car I was driving was in my wife's name. So she got the letter and she's like, Zachary, what is this? I said, What's what? Oh, she went, Zachary? Yeah. She's, What's this? I said, uh, Looks like a piece of mail, sweetheart. Yeah. She piece was, of mail. <laughs> my lovely bride. <laughs> yeah. So uh, looking ahead real quick. Yeah. I know you're, I know you got a tight schedule and we're, we're already after 12. So I want to try to wrap this up so you can get on about your day. Okay. Um, a quick look ahead. I know we talked a little bit about the Arizona State offense, but when you look at what Oklahoma State's offense did this past week, I mean, Spencer, um, one of the best performances we've seen. You know, he ties a Big 12 record um, with Patrick Mahomes and what he did in those first half stats. The offense is really clicking. Now, I, I get it. All right, it's the first game of the year. It's the first time that any defense has seen an Oklahoma State offense move like that in several years. So I'm not going to sit here and say that this offense is going to continue to put up 500 plus yards of offense every single game, but it, it is optimistic that Spencer can move the offense like that. So when you look ahead to this Arizona State defense, can Spencer go out there and replicate? Are you going to get the same type of receiver performance? Same with running backs. I got to think that, first of all, Arizona State's defense is better than Central Michigan's defense. Uh, the Chippewas, as good as they were on offense, were overmatched defensively, uh, athletically, and you saw it on both of Sanders' runs. I mean, he got in the open field. It, 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 he just made a right, made a left, and guys were grasping for air. I mean, their athleticism defensively was not good enough. Uh, Arizona State's defense got more athletes, more power five kind of guys. Uh, I got to think that they will, and this is, keep in mind, this is Herm Edwards' strength, defense, not offense. It's defense. And since he's been there, it's not a great number, but most of the times he keeps teams under 30 points with his defenses. And, and that's pretty significant in that wild and woolly Pac-12 where they just run up and down the field like nothing happens. Uh, so I got to think somebody, they're, they're linebacker-oriented, they're, they're pro kind of a approach where they're, they're four guys down, three guys. They, they occupy the offensive line so they can't get to the next level. And then the linebackers go do their thing, just like you see in the NFL. 
I got to think somebody's assigned to Spencer Sanders. Now you can call him a spy, whatever you want to call him. And there's fancy names for it. But back when I was coaching, we, we just said, where he goes, you go. Okay. And you, you just can't pick a guy out. He's got to be a guy who can tackle in the open field. So they may put an extra defensive back in there and take a linebacker out after what they saw. But bottom line, what you asked, I don't know that he'll be as effective doing what he did, but at the same time, that means that what doesn't mean he can't be effective doing something else because you you can't cover everything. If you're just worried about Spencer Sanders, that's one less guy that worries about a handoff to Richardson or a quick pop across the middle. So football's not that difficult. I mean, if you take something away, generally you're giving something back in another area. Now it's up to done to exploit that. Will they move the football? Sure. I, I, I don't think they're going to get stoned there uh, Saturday night, but I think they're going to run into more resistance defensively than they did against Central Michigan. Counter that on the other side, Arizona State offensively is not near as efficient and perhaps more predictable than Central Michigan was because Jones is a runner. And, again, if he hits a slot, if he hits, a, if he hits air – and you miss him, or you have a bad assignment, and you didn't squeeze him down, he's going to get yourself 10, 12 yards before you can get him down. He's, he's that elusive. Um, but they don't have a – and they want to run the ball. I mean, that's what they want to do. And they got three backs who can do it. Uh, and, and Validate, the kid from Wyoming, transfer, good back. I mean, he, had, he was good back in Wyoming against Power 5 teams, and he was a good back. He's been a good back here so far. Um, Ngata, a guy that Oklahoma State was hot and heavy to recruit back in the day, and he went to Arizona State. He's another good one. They got, another, uh, they got a freshman whose name uh, 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 escapes me, Tevin somebody. Why, is it White? Uh, I think. A guy who, who they certainly – I got the number here, but I uh, want to make sure we get – Yeah, him. Tevin White. Okay. He's another one. Uh, so they're going to try to run the football, which – obviously plays into the strength of Oklahoma State's defense because that's what they do up front. I mean, so the battle up front is going to be somewhat interesting. But but don't think that they didn't – those coaches get paid a lot of money out there too. They saw they couldn't handle a quick passing game. You know, we'll try it. I don't know he's as good as Richardson was. And I don't think the receivers are near as good. I didn't give – the Chippewa receivers near as much credit as I should have going well, in. Well, they were they were much taller than I was anticipating them mm-hmm. being. I mean, once you saw them lining up against Jabbar, they could play in this league. league. Oh yeah, they could play in this league. Well, so do you think uh, you threw out the number thirty for Herm Edwards? I'm not saying that you were sticking to that. Do you think our offense scores more or less than thirty this game? I don't really know. I mean, if if we turn it over, which we didn't, uh, we have to execute under some more duress, probably. Uh, Depends on. I don't see them stopping us. Uh, we got too much going, and when you got Spencer Sanders, you got a lot going. He can make a lot happen. I mean, thirties. You, know, you stop and think about it. You know, that's could be three touches and a couple of field goals. I mean, thirty is not like you just run up hundred and thirty. But can they? Can they operate and, and get into the thirty? Yeah, probably. Probably, I think. Yeah, I think our our biggest weapon, kind of our greatest equalizer, is the fact that we can go as fast as we want. Yeah. 
there's not another, there are not many teams in the nation that can call defenses as fast as we can call offenses. And I think we talked about this last week, Zach, that I think in that game we could have named our score on offense. In the second half, we obviously slowed down. I mean, when you're at 58 by – or 55 by 14 minutes in the third quarter – you can kind of you you you're doing whatever you want. We slow down, and all of a sudden, it went to you know the wheels kind of fell but off they, a little but bit. But they were not capable of, of stopping us. I right. mean, you got you got to call it the way it is. Mm-hmm. That that defense was not very good, not very athletic, not very physical. I don't know that the pace had as much to do with that as as when you got one on one with anybody, whether you're a receiver or Spencer Sanders or even Richardson. The one on ones favored Oklahoma State athletically. It, that was obvious. They may not be as obvious Saturday night because they do have power five and, and, and move-ins. Hell, they're playing with 51 new players. Now, that's that's over half your roster. I mean, which is like, what's your name again? You know, put a name tag on Central Michigan played with 51 no, new no, players? No, no. Arizona, Arizona State okay. will be playing with 51 new, yeah. new guys because f- for whatever reason, they guys all left. left. They all left. Investigation, well, the recruiting suffered, so they had a catch-as-catch-can. Well, 51 guys, I mean, it's hard enough to, to, to operate if you have 10 new guys. We got 51 new guys who weren't there playing last year. You, you don't even know what they're doing, much less what they're that's doing. 51 well, 85. Right. And, and that's so there's, there's kind of two ways to create, you know, with your offense to create communication issues on the defense, which we just saw last week. What Central Michigan would do was a lot of motion pre snap. You're confusing the eyes. The other way to do that is speed. Calling that next play, getting it out because they can't they can't communicate fast enough to be in the right spot. Back in the day, that was the that was the real reason the four two five came on board, is that your four two five philosophy wise, you had the your eleven best players out there, and the guys in the back end, the five so to speak, were fast guys, small guys but fast guys. So you didn't have to substitute when people came in and ran a different pace. You were comfortable with the four two five. Your eleven were the best eleven in that in that uh, particular formation, so you didn't have to go substitute unless guy got hurt or he's gassed. But overall, pace is is a problem for a lot of teams. But again, they saw the pace that Oklahoma State ran against Central State, uh, Central Michigan. So, you know, those guys get paid to coach too. They sat in that film room. They got analysts galore, just like everybody else. They got NFL guys who have seen just about everything in the NFL, I'm sure they said, we, we, first of all, we can't let this happen like it had Central, Central Michigan. We're not going to be that way. So we'll force the issue. It's not to say we can't go fast. You can go fast against anybody. But the resistance may be a little bit more this weekend than it was for Central Michigan because not only did they not keep up with the pace, they were not athletically gifted enough to do anything about it when they were in a position to make a play. Absolutely, uh, Tom. Hey, we appreciate your time. Let you uh, let you get on get on mosey on down the road. Yo. You got stuff you got to get doing. So, uh, and we're gonna head over to the student union. We gotta do some scouting. So, oh my goodness, uh, we got a we got a, a big guest coming up next week. Looking forward to that. We'll put that announcement out here in the next couple of days. Mystery but guest. It's a big one. Maybe two. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, that's gonna do it for the Pokes Report podcast. You can check us out at pokesreport.com. Uh, Tom, anything that you you want to push? Any any good interviews you got coming up or anything well, like that? Other than the, you know, I'm I'm proud of Terry yeah. Terry Miller this weekend. Uh, he's being honored. Uh, he's again. I think he's one of the best players we've ever had here. Um, 
I've known him for now almost going on 50 years, which is amazing in itself. Yeah, considering you're only 55. I know it. I mean, I must have been a five years, six years old when I first met him. Tilly, but tilly. but uh, this is a guy that uh, it's long overdue. Yes. I mean, when you get nationally Absolutely. recognized, then you ought to be recognized locally as well, which he will be. Um, and and we're, we're getting into the time of year where lots of things are happening, which I loved when I was in the department. You go a whole summer and you go, all right, I got my, I've been on vacation. Now what? It's slow. Which is bright. Now, then all of a sudden, bang, you're hit it with all these sports going on. Which I like, I think is great. Yeah. So, um, you know, that to me is the is the most fun part of the year. You know, you get tired, but hell, it's a good tire. Right? Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll have you on a couple weeks into the official start of uh, basketball okay. practice, okay. so we can uh, we can do a review, and that should be about mid ish of the uh, getting closing in on the middle of the football season. So right, right. we'll have plenty to recap there as well. So uh, that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. Appreciate Tom Dorado hey, setting in with us. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.